It is another round of a co-host choice subject here this week on Kicking Out at Two as we're going to be watching the third in-your-house pay-per-view event from the WWF on September the 24th, 1995. I'm your host, Dave Rosenbluth, and the, the, the co-host that is sitting in the chair with me once again this week is my main man, the wild card himself, Dennis J. Levy. What's up, buddy? Dave, always a pleasure. Thanks for having me. Oh. Then, uh, then um, we're, we're about to watch one of my favorite pay-per-views, that, 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 uh, and I'm excited. Yeah, I'm looking forward to this as well. Uh, earlier this year, NXT did a in-your-house theme event, and uh, yeah, I know that in the text thread conversations between you know my brothers and yourself and and myself, we were gearing up and watching some old in-your-houses, and uh, this was one that. Um, I started watching and I didn't finish. Um, and uh, you know, when we were when we were discussing, you know, your choice for shows to watch. Originally, you wanted to watch Fully Loaded 2000, um, and I just recently did a Trading Places concept of that pay per view, the role reversal that I usually do. So I thought, you know what, let's. Go a different route, and you chose this, the 25-year anniversary of this show, and uh, I'm really looking forward to, uh, to, to to watching this with you. Um, I've not watched this in full, completely. Um, I've seen bits and pieces of it, so this is going to be a lot of fun checking this out. Um, thank you all so very much for hitting the download button, pressing play, and joining us. Have your WWE Network account logged in, ready to go. Um, you're going to go to the, you can go to the in-ring section of WWE, and when you scroll down, you're going to see an option for in your house. You're going to click on that, and then you're going to go to the year 1995. You're going to click on that. Then you're going to scroll to in your house three, the date, September the 24th, 1995. This show goes one hour, 54 minutes, and 55 seconds. Um, so this isn't a traditionally long pay-per-view like we've done in the past with some of the watch-alongs where they're two and a half, almost three hours. So uh, this is going to be a little shorter version. Um, and when I say play, you're going to hit play and we're going to watch... Um, in your house three uh, i'll have the audio I'll, I'll let you know when i turn the audio up from time to time but keep it on mute so you can hear the running commentary between dennis and myself uh, we're going to talk about some of the events that are happening um, in and around this in your house pay-per-view this this show uh one of dennis's favorites he chose it as a part of co-host appreciation month here on kicking out of two so we're gonna make it happen and uh without further ado like i said go to the in-ring section click on that Find In Your House, click on that. The year, 1995, scroll to In Your House 3, and in 5, 4, 3, 2, 1, hit play with the open of the iconic World Wrestling Federation, the most revolutionary force in sports entertainment. And we see here Diesel and Shawn Michaels, along with Owen Hart and Yokozuna. The main event of this pay-per-view, the triple header. Um, Diesel and Sean teaming up as WWF champion and Intercontinental champion, respectively, to take on the tag team champions, Yokozuna and Owen Hart. Do you remember how this match was put together? I was going to ask you that. I do not. Okay. This is an interesting occurrence. These two teams were not involved in any type of a rivalry. As a matter of fact, um, the, f the previous month at SummerSlam... Um, 
Diesel retained the championship over King Mabel. And Shawn Michaels retained his Intercontinental title over Razor Ramon in the their classic ladder match, the second ladder match they had. And um, they did a SummerSlam post-game wrap-up show. And in the locker room, Todd Pettengill was interviewing Gorilla Monsoon, who had announced the... Um, the main event for the next pay-per-view, the in your house, this in your house pay-per-view, and he was standing there with Jim Cornette, Yokozuna, and Owen Hart, and he announced that uh, it would be Diesel and Shawn Michaels taking on Yokozuna and Owen Hart with every single championship on the line, and if Shawn Michaels and Diesel won, they would become the World Wrestling Federation Tag Team Champions, and on the other end of the spectrum. If Owen Hart pinned Shawn Michaels, then Owen Hart would become the Intercontinental Champion. But Diesel would still be the World Wrestling Federation Champion. Or if Yokozuna pinned Diesel, then he would be the WWF Champion, and Shawn Michaels would still be the Intercontinental Champion. So so it was a one-fall tag team main event uh, with these two teams, and the stipulations were uh, rather interesting here as we see the... uh, the, the, the open here in your house live from Saginaw, Michigan with Vince McMahon and I believe uh, Jerry the King Lawler is on commentary. And Jim Ross. I forgot about that. Good old JR. Um, I'm surprised Jim Ross wasn't doing the uh, WWE radio. I think they I think they got rid of that by okay. this point. Okay. Yeah, I believe that they that they ditched the radio because it just wasn't doing very well. Jim Ross actually had a radio show um, in Atlanta that uh, was a part of um, there was a separate gig that he had from WCW. So when he left WCW, um, actually before he left WCW, he was having WWF guys on his radio show really? before he signed, and then eventually he would sign with WWF. And he would kind of bring the radio show with him. And then I believe, if I'm not mistaken, that's how the radio WWF was born. As we see Savio Vega in this first match here. I was a big fan of Savio. I thought, you know what, I liked Savio as a kid too. He was he, he was fun. He, you know, brought a good energy. He had, he had good matches. Um, I dug Savio as a kid. I always thought Savio Vega as a kid should have been like... And I talked about this on an, on an old uh, uh, episode of Kicking Out It 2. I always felt like Savio Vega, as a, as a character, deserved more. Like, he would have been a good Intercontinental Champion. Like, yeah, he was a good wrestler. Was like, he ever IC champ? No, he was not. He, uh, he had a couple of title shots, I believe, against, like, Jeff Jarrett. Um, but he was, um, and this shows here, his debut into the WWF. Um, at the In Your House pay-per-view on May the 14th of 1995, getting involved in the Razor Ramon handicap match against Jeff Jarrett and the roadie, road dog Jesse James. Do you know that Savio Vega once portrayed the character Quang? Yeah, of course, yeah. Okay, so you remember that. All right. Yeah. And he was also TNT in Puerto Rico for the Cologne family and the, the World Wrestling Council. Uh, it was a big. It was a big deal over in uh, in Puerto Rico. This here, one of my favorite characters of all time. A character before its time. Absolutely. If you think about it, this is the this is the genesis of the original Bray Wyatt character. If you want to, if you want to, if you want to make the make the argument. Oh, here. Sure. I mean, I knew Waylon Mercy was Dan Spivey back in 1995, but this was just a creepy character. Let's play the audio. Tell you what's going on. 
they're going to get smooth just like this one. Afraid we do know what he means. <laughs> yeah, he's uh, he, he had you know the, the the Robert De Niro Cape Fear yep. kind of character to him. Um, unfortunately, from what I from what I've heard uh, in recent years, um, the they had they had some big ideas and big plans for the character, but unfortunately, Spivey had a lot of injuries that just he wasn't the same in the ring. And he had a lot of injuries that mounted up, and he really couldn't uh, he really couldn't sustain the schedule. As you can, you can see, he's pretty slow moving here. Yeah, you, yeah, that was a little cringe that him going for that double axe handle there. Yeah, I mean, yeah, you could. I mean, you, just like him versus Undertaker would just sell itself. Oh, for sure. I mean, yeah, if you think about it, um, that kind of character, you know, during that time period would have. Would have definitely matched up well with Undertaker, but judging by the physical limitations, as we see Spivey, um, his movement in this match early yeah. on, it just wouldn't have it wouldn't have worked well with Undertaker. Here's an interesting uh, uh, fact I wanted to share with you. A couple interesting facts here. Um, so these in your house pay per views were designed to be like you know the the in between pay per views of like the big four, the big five, you know, Rumble, Mania, King of the Ring, SummerSlam, Survivor Series. So these pay per views were structured a little bit differently. You had maybe about five or six matches. They were like in the two hour bubble. Um, they you know they weren't the three four hour marathons we get nowadays. Um, actually, although during the pandemic the the pay per views have been cut short. Um, which I think is good, considering oh, that that, there, that there's no fans. But um, you know, the, the the price points were different. They were like fifteen ninety five, and then eventually nineteen ninety five for some of these pay per views. But they still would put on matches before and after the pay per views as like bonus matches for the people in attendance. So at this event, um, Fatu, uh, before the pay per view went on the air, defeated Hunter Hearst Helmsley, Triple H, um, and then following this pay per view. This was an interesting. Um, this was an interesting uh, set of matches here. Gold Dust defeated Bob Holly in 12 minutes and 11 seconds. Ahmed Johnson defeated Skip of the Body Donnas, aka Chris Candido, and then the Undertaker defeated King Mabel in seven minutes and four seconds to close out the evening. So they used to do these matches before um, and after these in your house pay per views to kind of give the audience a little. Uh, added bonus because if you think about it for the viewing audience at home 15 20 bucks to order this pay-per-view you get six matches five six matches in a two-hour bubble it's you know it's it's a solid you know it it's a solid presentation but for the people in the in the audience under two hours six matches what you're paying for in ticket prices and i don't know what the ticket prices were back then but it probably doesn't match up so they probably felt like to give the audience you know, in attendance, a, a, an extra treat, you would get, you know, these bonus matches before and after. Interesting. You know? Yeah, you were thinking they were doing it before the, the, the pay-per-view, but that, uh, that makes perfect sense. It know? would be kind of cool if the network actually had some of these matches um, as extra, you know, like like in the hidden gems, like the, the in-your-house dark matches or whatever. Um, that would be kind of fun. To go back and watch some of those never before seen stuff. Yeah, I, I've been watching a lot of the uh, not a lot. That's just that's bad terminology. But I've been some of the uh, the MSG 
like a house show, like. Uh, or where, where I hear those are fun. They I are. Wa- they really are. I haven't watched many of those. I've seen a couple here and there, but um, yeah, I haven't watched. Which what's the what's the latest one you've watched? Um, I want to say it was eighty four. Okay. But then uh, I I want to say I saw I know all been in the eighties. I can't stand. Uh, be the first one to admit. I can't stand wrestling past. 78. Okay. Like, before then, that's a tough watch for me. Yeah. Uh, but, that, uh, but, but, um, yeah, I've been watching a lot of the, uh, like the 80s. And it's also, I get confused too. Like, sometimes it's been on YouTube too. Like, I actually saw the whole thing too. That, that, uh, that being a single guy in the pandemic, why not, right? That, 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 that it was like 1993 ish that I saw. A, a camcorder MSG of just the the full the full event from guy from a guy who had pretty good seats. Yep. I don't know how he got the camcorder smuggled in, but uh, and I was watching the whole thing and it was it was really good. I once saw um, the the uh, an MSG show on YouTube. It was actually um, the Monday before the 1994 Royal Rumble, and they would MSG would you know WWF would run MSG like on a monthly basis that was their home base for a long time and when they would take Monday Night Raw sometimes if it happened to fall in their schedule they would have a show a live event on a Monday night from Madison Square Garden and they did this event where they did like a it's almost like a practice run of the Royal Rumble match at that at that house show at the garden and it just so happened that that same house show the Quebecers defeated um uh, uh, one, two, three, kid and Marty Jannetty to become the tag team champions, and I remember watching that Raw on that night. Curious as to, oh, they have two shows going on at the same time. One's on TV and one's not. And they had like Johnny Polo call in on the telephone in commentary to announce to Vince and the King that his team won the tag team titles in the middle of this Monday Night Raw. Ooh, this is ugly. Ooh, Jesus. Savio making making the best of it here, but Spivey, you know, Spivey looks like he's. This was his last match, wasn't it? I, you might be correct. I'm, I'm not sure. I'm pretty sure it was. Yeah, it's. He's had a rough go. Yeah. Spivey does the convention circuit, from what I understand. When there were conventions, when the world was the world, um, uh, but he also, um, I believe. Oh Jesus. That was an ugly. I'm, a, I'm assuming that was an attempt at a brain buster. If not, he didn't get him up there all the way. My yeah. goodness, that's pretty dangerous. Um, I believe Spivey was um, or is he works um, for like a rehab treatment facility in somewhere in Florida. Um, like a, I don't know if he's a therapist or a counselor of sorts, but um, Jesus. That was an ugly German suplex, too. <laughs> I think that was a revenge. We're getting a lot of ugly in this match right now. My goodness. I think that was a receipt. Yeah, that might. Yeah, you might be right there. That might have been a receipt. But um, Savio, um, like I said, making the best of it. But yeah, Spivey, I believe, does oh, like a lot of uh, you know alcohol and drug counseling. Nice spinning heel kick to finally end this match. Savio with the victory over. Um, Waylon Mercy, aka Dan Spivey, there but was people um, in the front didn't like that outcome. Yeah, there were a few of them there that weren't too happy with Savio winning. I guess they liked uh, they liked Waylon Mercy here. Yeah. 
But uh, wave goodbye. Yeah. Bye. See you later. (laughs) (laughs) Oh man. Yeah, and I don't believe I don't remember. I think this is like this was these in your houses. Obviously, were during a time period where like not all the matches had like an invested story going into them. And we and we kind of talked about that on the McMahonism podcast with Justin. Is that like I miss some of that era where like you you have a you know two guys that are just thrown together, you know, and 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 it's all about trying to win a wrestling match and not necessarily like you stole my girlfriend. Let's play the audio for this. Monsoon, I thought, was a good figurehead president for TV because he had credibility and he was on TV for a while. People knew him. Um, as we see Teddy Biasi with Sid making his way down to the ring. So basically, the audio we just played there, um, it looks like Owen Hart, um, you know, not in attendance. And uh, Gorilla Monsoon is ensuring the fans that we will see the main event. The triple header match will take place. So this is the running uh, theme. Oh. Ooh. I used to hate the slop. Look at Sid. Sometimes, though, it, it gets pointless. Like when uh, Sonny got slopped. That was cool. Yeah. Yeah. That was cool. Probably not the first time she's had a, a, a liquid substance of, of of heavy consistency all over her her head and face area. Yeah. Um, but uh, this, uh, it looks like this story here had some sort of a back you know backdrop with. Sid and Henry Godwin, um, Sid getting slopped. Um, if I'm not mistaken, I believe it was brief that um, a few months prior to this, they were trying to, Henry Godwin was trying to recruit himself into the Million Dollar Corporation with Ted DiBiase, um, but he just didn't fit the mold, I guess, and then they turned him babyface. Um, but it was something that was real quick that they, that wasn't something that, that was planned out um, thoroughly as a story. But basically, the running theme, as I was saying earlier, Owen Hart, not in attendance. Um, so now they're trying to figure out uh, you know, who's going to tag with Yoko. Oh, Jesus, again. Henry getting the best of DiBiase. Where is he getting that slot? Probably just oatmeal, right? I would imagine, yeah. Just some leftover. I've, I've heard it's been some leftover stuff in catering that they just kind of mixed together. Um but uh, yeah, that's that's gotta be pretty disgusting. Look at that, da- Danny Davis, referee Danny Davis. I didn't know he was still refing back then. Nineteen ninety-five. Wow. Okay. Interesting. So turns out that uh, during this pay-per-view, the reason why Owen Hart was absent is because his wife had just given birth to their son or their daughter, one of the two, 
and he was en route back to the arena. So he got to see his child born, and then he had to come back to work. Wow, that, that's a true story. Eh? Yeah, that's what I've heard. Wow. That was the reason behind um, uh, the, 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 the Bulldogs' insertion into this match later. Um, and that's why they kind of did that like dusty finish as we'll, 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 we'll see it later here. Um, I've talked about it before. Sid, one of the most, I wouldn't say underrated, but his look and his character, so much potential for me, at least I felt like Sid could have. Sid could have been a bigger deal than he was. Yeah, it, he, he's done it all. He won every championship, every, every place he pretty, pretty much went to. That, uh, but you're right. There's something about about Sid where you're like, he could have been so much bigger. That, like, uh, imagine like if Sid didn't have all the injuries and the the reputation of him not coming to work because he liked to play softball. Like, imagine the things he could have done. Like, for instance. A few years after this, like, Attitude Era, like, Sid versus Austin. Like, imagine if Sid was, like, the monster that Vince and the corporation were were backing up. Or Sid versus The Rock. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, Imagine those, like, stuff like that, man. Sid against Kane. Mankind, you know? Names like that. Um, or, Or you can even go... You know, WCW route. You know, Sid would eventually leave WWF, I believe, in early '96. Is that a scar from uh, scissors? I don't know. Where on his uh, abdomen area? Yeah, or no, the uh, right underneath his, uh, his armpit. I don't know. Is Maybe that, it no, might that, be. That's the first time I ever noticed it. Yeah, I don't know. Um, but you know, Sid left WWF, I believe, early '96. He would come back because they needed to plug him into the Camp Cornette storyline because Ultimate Warrior got fired. But uh, imagine if Sid, Sid went to WCW and he feuded with the NWO. Yeah, good point. You know what I mean? Like, do you think that he, could, he could truly... The few times I can vaguely kind of remember him as a babyface, it just didn't work. Yeah, he was... Ba- he was I mean... I don't know. Like Sid to me like he didn't really do anything different. He's one of those few guys that like his look and his size and his character didn't really change per se. Um he was still like a mean, vicious, you know, no pun intended, um looking individual. And so um I feel like He, I think, I feel like he did. Okay. I mean, he was a better heel than a babyface, but he wasn't that bad of a babyface. Like, have you ever, did you ever hear the story um, about Sid and back in '92? One of the reasons why he left the promotion in no. WWF. So he came in late '91, and apparently, according to Sid, and I've heard this story in other places too. They were grooming him to be the guy after Hogan. Okay? They 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 saw the he was over like a motherfucker. Like if you watch old WCW stuff, even as a member of the Four Horsemen, the fans were chanting Sid. Like that was one of the early times where like the audience would go against the grain. 
and he was over. So he came in and the audience was into him. He was a big deal. And they wanted to make him the guy. Hogan was going to kind of scale back and take some time. And Warrior had gotten fired in 91. And they wanted to make Sid the the, the top baby face. And he turned it down because he thought he was a better heel. So they went with it. He was a heel. And he had a run with Warrior after Warrior came back at WrestleMania 8 in 92. And he quit. Because he didn't want to do business with Warrior. Oh, I know I did hear that, yeah. He, him and Warrior had some disagreements about finishes to matches. They were working some matches on the house show loop, and uh, there were some differences, and Sid had just had enough. And so he was gone, and he didn't resurface till uh, spring of 93, about a year later, in WCW, where he would team up with Vader, and they would be the masters of the powerbomb. But that didn't last long either because of, like you just mentioned, the scissor incident with him and Arn Anderson, which I think you might be correct. Underneath that right armpit, you kind of see where the muscle is looks a little distressed. I didn't notice it either until you just brought it up. Yeah. That might, yeah, you might be right there. Nicky. And he was out out of WCW for a long time after that. I would love to be, the two times I would love to be a fly on the wall in a... Wrestler's hotel room, and it had nothing to do with hookers or rats. That that that, that uh, was was. Uh, I would love to be a fly on the wall to see the Arn Anderson Sid Vicious fight, hey, and also I'm the trouble hearing you. the uh, Brian Knobs versus Ken Shamrock fight. Those are the two times I'd be a love to be a fly on the wall in a hotel room. The Knobs Shamrock fight did that happen in? Uh in a hotel room, or did it happen at the airport? So part of me thinks like that might have happened in no, an see, airport. No, that, that, uh, or did it start in an airport and it made its way to no, a hotel? No, it apparently started at a nightclub. Okay. Where, where Ken Shamrock's like, he he had a girlfriend that was a, a ring rat essentially, and I guess Nobs had had prior relations with this this woman, and uh, he was um, ambitious. And like the way he talked to her and, and touched her, apparently, Ken mm-hmm. Shamrock pretty much pretty much lost his mind. They both get thrown out, get thrown out of the club. So they go back to their hotel. Apparently, Ken Shamrock kicks down the door of, of the of, uh, of. I always get confused um, between the nasty boys, but the the blonde haired hair nasty nasty boy was so drunk apparently that he got passed out on the bed. By the uh, the the black hair one. Knobs. So Knobs is the blonde and Sags is the, 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 the so, so Ken Shamrock before you get kicked down the door was knocking on open up motherfucker, we're gonna fight, you touch my girlfriend inappropriately, whatever, you know what I mean? So he kicks down the door, but the knobs but that it got got like the the telephone and once he get was kicked in, goes uh, uh, once Ken Shamrock walked into the, the room doesn't know that he's behind him and whacks him with the telephone. Jesus. It, it knocks him out. <laughs> Here's the thing. He was about to throw him over there on the second floor and about to throw him over. Thank God for one thing that um, Colonel Parker was yep. the booker and knew that they were about to fight. So he heads up to, to, to the hotel room just uh, he was he was a day late a dollar short. But it was just in time before Knobs was going to throw him over. 
See, so Nob sees Colonel Jesus. Parker, drops Ken Shamrock. He's like, oh, fuck. And then then Colonel Parker sees, like, you know, Ken Shamrock, a bloody mess, goes, we need to call 911. Wow. So they call 911, and, and then uh, he, say, he gets in the hospital for a couple of days. The, the airport incident you're talking about, a couple years later, Ken Shamrock sees the motherfucker, goes, now I know you're coming. Let's fucking fight, you fucking pussy. Oh, wow. And, uh, okay. Uh, th- 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 that's what you're thinking of. Got another slop incident here. DiBiase. Yeah, DiBiase. That's a good one, too. Eating the, the oatmeal. Yeah. What, was that sage or something? Yeah, is that like a... Like a <laughs> cilantro or something? Oh, shit? my like God. Sticking out, look really at how it's sticking good. out of his head like a horn. That's hilarious. Yeah, that is perfect. <laughs> you see Kama. You saw Bam Bam Bigelow just a yeah. few moments well, ago. Yeah, but... Get involved and... Well, those two fights, I would love to be a fly on the wall to see it. The Sid Arn one, um, yeah, that was. Because uh, no one could. Uh, the, the, the Ken Shamrock one is there's a, there there is an indisputable start to finish. Yep. But the Sid Vicious versus Arn Anderson, there's so many different stories. Yeah. Uh, like like you asked, Arn what happened is totally different from what Sid happens, and then there's. All the people that, that said, no, it could happen like this. Apparently, Vader saved the bitch's life, and Sid goes, I don't, that never happened. Yeah. There's just so much stuff. Yeah, I've, I've seen different people's accounts. Two Cold Scorpio has a different story. Um, Arn Anderson, obviously, and Sid both have different stories. From what I understand, I just found this out recently listening to the Arn podcast, was that someone asked him if uh, him and Sid would ever do, do like a panel discussion, uh, like, at, like at a convention. Um, Regarding the stabbing incident, and he said, "Sid and I spoke about it a long time ago. We're at, we're, we're we're at a good place, and you know, uh, uh, when it came to the misunderstanding and the incident, and it's not something that neither of us uh, plan to discuss moving forward. And this year, Gorilla Monsoon is basically letting Jim Cornette know here that." Uh, you got a couple hours to find yourself a suitable replacement to replace Owen Hart in the tag match, um, and the same rules will apply. If this individual, this individual will be a replacement tag team champion, and will be a co-holder of the titles in this match, um, and if that individual were to win either the WWF or the Intercontinental Championship, then they will be recognized as that champion, um, even though they are replacement temporary co-holder of the tag team titles um so cornet's making sure that 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 stipulation um sticks in this match here and we would we would end up finding out later that it would be davy boy smith who would uh would enter this match and replace yokozuna or replace owen hart to team with yokozuna that made sense yeah i mean part of camp cornet there yeah were you telling me all these years dave I thought this was all storyline. You're telling me that this was like a real life situation. Well, Owen Hart. well, they they turned it into a storyline. They turned it into a storyline that that you know they didn't on TV. They never revealed that Owen Hart was on his way back from having a child. They just said he was he was in route and he wasn't in the area. They never said like, oh yeah, Owen Hart had a baby. That is but funny that, that this scenes, is all a true story. Behind the scenes, he had just had. A child, and he was on his way back, and so wow. they had to they had to kind of do this at the last minute. So that's what the, that's what I've heard. Other people have dis- other people have disputed that, um, and this is where, boom, bulldog turned on 
Diesel, which was very like impromptu last minute sort of thing. And I think that had a lot to do with um, the Luger situation with, with Luger going to WCW on Nitro, if I'm not mistaken. But yeah, Bulldog uh, becomes uh, a heel, joins up with Camp Cornette. And <laughs> Look at Bam Bam. And we got Bam Bam Bigelow. He those people uh, to try to give high fives by, by two feet. I mean, I'll tell you, Bam Bam Bigelow, very underrated big man. For a guy his size, move around like he could. It's truly awesome stuff. Yeah. Um, I'm glad he's in the Hall of Fame. Yeah, he's not yet. I thought he was. No. Oh, Jesus. Yeah, that's been a, that's been a point of contention. It seems like the last several years, the last like three or four years... His name has come up, and for whatever reason, it hasn't come to be. Um, but I felt like Bam Bam Bigelow, in hindsight, deserved better, given what he did to help make the match with Lawrence Taylor at that WrestleMania. Yeah. As he and, said, uh, LT, too. If you're going to put fucking Drew Carey... Oh, LT in, definitely deserves to go yeah. in the WWE Hall of Fame, oh, for sure. Uh, for sure. I even brought it up on... A, on an old pod, on an old podcast recording back in February, I did like my own Hall of Fame draft, and I and I drafted, and and this, it would be it would have to be some sort of special circumstance to have this sort of thing happen. But a number of years ago, I believe it was right before WrestleMania 30 in 2014, there were discussions of inducting the WrestleMania 1 main event, the entire main event participants into the WWE Hall of Fame. That would be Hogan, Mr. T, Jimmy Snuka, Roddy Piper, Mr. Wonderful, Paul Orndorff, and Bob Orton. Now, Hogan, Snuka, Piper, Orndorff, and Orton were already in the Hall of Fame. So the only person that would be a first-time Hall of Famer out of that group would be Mr. T. The rest of the participants would be two-time Hall of Famers. But they changed their mind and decided not to do that, and they ended up just putting Mr. T in the Hall of Fame as a celebrity inductee. I thought if they were to try to do that again, they could do that with Lawrence Taylor and Bam Bam Bigelow. It looks like here we're seeing Jim Cornette trying to negotiate um, Sid as a replacement for Owen Hart in this uh, the triple header match. It, it, it's it, it, it's in a story... What a fucking idiot. He turned it down? He's going to be the world champion. I don't know if he turned it down or if Cornette just changed his mind and decided to go a different direction. They didn't really indicate the reason why um, Davy Boy got the slot, other than it was natural because he was a part of Camp Cornette. Unless it was just some sort of scheme all along from Cornette to make everyone believe that they were going to go with Sid um, and swerve everybody with Davy Boy. But back to what I was saying, put a bow on it here. Um I wouldn't be against them putting Bigelow and LT's match into the WWE Hall of Fame as like a special circumstance attraction. It puts Bigelow in the Hall of Fame. It recognizes LT, who contributed greatly to that WrestleMania. And it would just be a kind of a cool instance, you know, put the match in the Hall of Fame, you know, but don't do it every year. Don't put a match in every year. But in this instance... Both guys aren't in the Hall of Fame. That's how you do it. I, I like that you know? idea. Bigelow has passed away, so it doesn't kind of it, it, it doesn't take away from from him. And because he was such a big part of that match, obviously being the main event and 
going up against Lawrence Taylor, and plus you recognize Taylor. But there's a couple of things that stop that. Lawrence Taylor is technically a sex, uh, registered sex offender. Um, yeah, when he... When, uh, he, when he... A minor, particularly. Yeah. And he had to register as a sex offender, even though she wasn't... Uh, or she was a minor... To, I don't know. The, I, the story's a little foggy. Um, I don't know if that, you know... If, if it would come to be. I think also to Bigelow, P- hardcore diehard fans would probably want Bigelow in to go on his own, but I feel like you could recognize both. Um, and from what I understand, Lawrence Taylor, um, you know, his, his contributions to the match, um, he wasn't one of those celebrities that was just there for a payday. Like, he trained, he made it work, um, he worked hard at making the match good, Um he was never late to any of his training sessions with like Pat Patterson and Diesel, um, and he worked like he worked hard. Like I guess from what I understand, the only story I heard um, regarding Lawrence Taylor was that um, he made sure that every day he got nine holes of golf in because he was a big golfer. I think yeah. he still is, but he made sure he's like, all right, guys, you know, as long as I get my nine holes in, you got me, you know, for the rest of the day. <laughs> so he would play nine holes and then he would go train um, and they said he was very easy to work with just a just a delight and probably someone that I think they even discussed bringing him back um, a few times because he was so popular amongst management and people that worked with him in the company but I feel like Bam Bam Bigelow should have gotten more um and a better run following uh, the Lawrence Taylor match. Oh, yeah. Just because of what he did. Oh, absolutely. Didn't, um, was that, it was after when he won the tag title, so wasn't it? Um, with who? I'm trying to think. I, I, in WWF? I, yeah, I know there was uh, Bob Harley and the one two three kid that. Well, he tagged him. with Tatanka to face them and lost, and that's how they. Oh, set up I thought the, they were That's the how champs. they set that. It was a it was a tournament. Okay. So it was a tournament at the Royal Rumble, and that's how they set up the the angle with LT. LT was sitting front row. He laughed at Bigelow because Bigelow right. was humiliated. Bigelow shoved him, and no, then they no, were off the races. Sense to me now. Yeah. Okay. Bigelow won tag team titles in WCW with DDP and Canyon when they were the Triad, yeah. the Jersey Triad, which wasn't a bad little group. They they kind of adopted that Freebird uh, mentality with the three guys. You never know which Those two guys are going to team off. up. Uh, I love Canyon, and he had all these in, innovative offense. Yep. But when they put him in that Jersey connection, he he was uh, a clone of DDP. That really pissed me off. They, even like the dime cutter was the Canyon cutter, and like 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 he's so fucking good. Why are you making him like a a, DB, a, a you know a Diamond Dallas cl- a clone? It made no sense to me. But anyway. Oh, oh when he um. Are you talking about when he when he mocked DDP when he was feuding with him and he pretended oh, feuding? and he pretended to be DDP it was positively Canyon? Yeah, yeah. That made no sense to me. Yeah, he was such and he a dyed great his wrestler. hair blonde and he yeah. would do all yeah. So that's he, another one too where, where where it's like what could have been Canyon was such a great wrestler. He was he was a very good wrestler and. I was disappointed that he didn't do more in WWE. Like he was very, he had a quick run there. Um, well, actually, I shouldn't say. Well, he, after the invasion angle, because he was a part of the invade, part of the alliance. He had tagged DDP in that that Undertaker uh, stalker storyline that they did. 
Um, but after the invasion, they didn't really do anything with him. Oh, Jesus. Nice, uh, nice insecurity by Bam Bam Bigelow. Yeah, Canyon was a lost opportunity, I feel like. He was very good in the ring. Um, had somewhat of a personality. He played a good, like, you know, sidekick stooge. But at the same time, his in-ring ability, he very innovative with the, with the offense and the, manu- and the maneuvers. Um, I didn't mind him with DDP and Bigelow as a tag team. I really didn't. Um, but I didn't care for the stuff he did with the Judy Bagwell on a forklift match. Oh, that was hilarious. With Buff. Uh, uh, no, it was, it, it, that was pretty funny, but at the same time, I was like, come you know what, on. Though, I, 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 to your defense, at the time, it wasn't funny. But now... Looking back on yeah, it, it's fucking watch, hilarious. Watch it 20 years later. It's fucking hilarious. Like, And he's got like that thick New York accent, so he was like... you know, it, Originally, it was supposed to be a Judy Bagwell on a pole match. Because Vince Russo put everything on a pole. And then, like, the night of the pay-per-view, he was like, I can't get that old bag up a pole, so we're going to put a Judy... It's now a Judy Bagwell on a forklift match. And he drives the forklift out, and she's got her, like, tied to the fucking forklift. That's so funny. And there was no... It didn't make sense. It was just she was on... Like, what was the object of the match? Like, you're going to climb up and grab her? Like... You, you, like, do you untire to win the match? Like, there was no point. It was it was stupid. I mean, but it was Vince Russo. So, I mean, it, it, it didn't make any sense. Um, but I digress. Uh, we're, we're, we're talking about Canyon here in, in the middle of this Bam Bam Bigelow. Yeah, pretty good match. Bulldog. Yeah, this isn't a bad match. Yeah. You know, these two guys, tremendous athletes. At the time of this recording, um... WWE Hall of Fame elect British Bulldog Davy Boy Smith oh, has not been it. inducted yet, but he was um, announced as an inductee. Do you um, hold off on the uh, Hall of Fame until the pandemic's over? Um. Yes and no. I think you could, because I think you would want to honor these guys the right way in front of a large gathering. At the same time, with the way things have been going in recent months with wrestling, and you know, by the time this recording airs, it'll be middle of September. Who knows what our world's going to look like? Um, but depending on if there's any kind of if there's a shortage of content, you could probably do like a Zoom kind of style Hall of Fame. You know, have the guy get there. You know, you mail them the ring. And then they could do their speech on a Zoom call. But I think that they would want to capitalize on a monetary level with a Hall of Fame ceremony. Um, And the class that Davey Boy was in is not a bad class at all. You know, NWO, JBL, Batista, even the Bella Twins, uh, Jushin Thunder Liger. Yeah. Yeah. some really fun names and, 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 and names that contributed a lot to wrestling um, and had significant runs during their time. Um, Davy Boy was one of those names that for years people petitioned and people, you know, shouted to the mountaintops that he deserved to be in. And when he finally is going to get his just due, the world completely stops, <laughs> you know? So, um, I'm looking forward to, you know, when they, if and when they 
they do another Hall of Fame. Who knows? Maybe they'll have done one by the time this show drops in the middle of September. Honestly, I don't know. Um, but I, what do you think? You think they should wait? You I think, do. Yeah? I do. Okay. Now, let's say, for instance, we're talking here, you know, this is July. We're recording this. Spoiler alert. <laughs> Breaking the fourth wall. Kayfabe, if you will. Um, the show drops in September. Um, you think that they hold off and wait to induct this class at the next year's WrestleMania? I think it... If they even do one? So, no... So, so normally you get a couple of, uh, of like, the... Like, like, like for example, like, the, like this year, right? Even though they did des- they deserve to be in, it's still kind of like they don't have to be in NWO. I'm getting at, and they don't have to be in. They're already in, other than X Pac. But that that uh that uh and I think Blue Knight he should get in by by himself. I guess that was a conversation for another day. Bulldog wins, but um X Pac by himself. Yeah, I mean he already went in with DX. So I mean, That's you could I mean. you could put him in by himself, but all the, all the guys all the guys are already in. So so what I'm trying to say is next year, you have yeah you have the same this year's and next year's just have first ballot Undertaker or uh, have Undertaker that's it. And, and that's it yeah. And then they just have this class. So maybe go on include Undertaker into this class and yeah. maybe stack this class. That's not a bad idea. I wouldn't I, honestly. I would. I think Undertaker is because of what he's done, the respect he commands amongst peers and and fans in the industry. Undertaker could go it alone. And they could do a whole Hall of Fame ceremony centered around him and have guys come up and talk about him. They are video packages, what guys, you know, what he meant to certain talents, and then have Vince come out and induct him. And you could do two, two and a half hours of Undertaker, everything centered around him. He doesn't need a whole class behind him. He doesn't need a, a, a another, you know, another tag team, another... Oh, this is this is the uh, the commercial hyping the special for WrestleMania that would air on Fox. Yep. Um, right so they just our... basically showed these two matches on like a on like a special on Fox. Um, Sean and Diesel and LT and Bam Bam. Which, by the way, you can find our WrestleMania 11 watch along watch party in the archives uh, over at our SoundCloud page, soundcloud.com. You search Kicking Out of Two, or you can find it on the Retromania Pro Wrestling Podcast Network by searching for Retromania with a W on Podbean. You can also find us on Google Play, Spreaker, Stitcher, Spotify, and any other uh, Apple Podcasts and any other podcast platform available. Uh, Justin and I, literally right before everything shut down, we recorded a Wrestlemania 11 watch party, watching that entire show from start to finish. Um, as we see Bob Backlund making his way to the ring. I believe this was during the time when they wanted to... Um, this was 95, right? This is 95, so he was like running for president or yeah. something. Remember that, that yeah. bullshit? Yeah, he ran for Congress in the state of Connecticut. Yes, he did. He got obliterated. Yeah, I heard, yeah. I heard he did John Larson, yeah? Uh, yeah, I heard he didn't do too well. I heard Backlund did not do too well. He was um, the, the the wrestling stigma. I think uh, 
stuck with him. But here's the thing. Normally, sometimes it works for, for, for the fellas, but not at all. Yeah, I Jesse mean, Ventura, governor yeah. of Minnesota. I want to say maybe Bachel got 20% of the vote. I've uh, I've met Bob a few times, um, seen him in the area. He, he 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 attends some of the big events. He still he still he lives in Glastonbury, right? I I don't know if he lives in Glastonbury. I know he was originally from there. Maybe he still does. I'm not sure. Last time I saw him was at an indie show in January for Northeast Wrestling. He did a quick. Uh, run in where he was interviewed he thanked everybody for coming out and then they had a local guy who was a heel come out and talk shit to him and then bob put him in the crossface chicken wing and that was the end of it um my brother-in-law listened to a radio interview with him on on uh, npr uh, a number of months back and uh my brother-in-law was just so enthralled by the story because he was talking about his story and 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 his journey in wrestling and um then my brother-in-law like called me because he knows i'm a big wrestling fan and he was like he goes has you ever heard of bob backlund i'm like bob backlund he's like an all-time great and uh he was like i just listened to him on npr it's just great story and then like last couple times i've seen my brother-in-law he was like you should probably get bob backlund on your podcast i bet you he'd do it and i'm like (laughs) i don't know maybe um you know, so he was like, yeah, he's like, I was just so amazed by that story. And then I started telling him stories I've heard of Bob Backlund and things that he did in the business. And my brother-in-law was just like, oh, my God, wow, that's unbelievable. Oh, I remember he talked about that in the interview and et cetera, et cetera. Um, what do we got here? What's Bob doing? He looks like, he's, like Dean Douglas, right? Is that Dean? Yeah. Is this the introduction of Dean Douglas? So, all right. So you're a big ECW guy. We've talked yeah. about this before. Were you watching ECW during this time in 1995? That's a good question. Um, I remember for a long time watching. So the only ECW you got in television in this area was MSG. MSG. Yep. I'm trying to think. Did they show it in '95? I don't know if I they had. Con- I don't know if they had a contract with MSG in 1995. They might have, or maybe it was like. Do you remember, well, I think, what was once Nesson? It was the Sports Channel. You remember the Sports Channel? I think so. They used to show Whalers hockey, but they showed, like, all, like, okay, the Whalers sports. definitely, yeah. Right? Yeah. I think the Sports Channel carried ECW from, a time, from time to time. But I saw ECW for the first time in 1995. I don't remember when, but I saw it at a friend's house. We were just up late, flipping through the channels, and all of a sudden we saw Shane Douglas... And uh, and then Sandman, there was, and I was like, oh my god! I was like, it was the first time I ever saw Sandman's, you know, iconic entrance with the the music, and it was, you know, the Enter Sandman Metallica, and I was like, oh my god, holy cow! And then I was like, oh my god, that's Shane Douglas. He was one of the dynamic dudes from WCW. Yeah. So what I basically was going to ask you was, was if you did watch ECW during this time period, during um, the the. Uh, 1995. What was your thoughts on Shane Douglas going to the WWF and, and portraying this evil teacher professor gimmick as Dean Douglas? I didn't like it. Yeah, I never liked Dean Douglas. Like most people, yeah. I didn't. I didn't like it. And then, uh, well, granted, also you also got to think. I'm 15 years old. I'm a freshman in high school. Yeah. And I fucking hate school already. So like, this is all. So if you target audience as kids and you want to be a heel, be a teacher, right? Yeah. That uh, but uh, I just didn't. 
and X Pac Heatway, I did not like Dean Douglas. Really? Oh yeah. X Pac Heat. Okay. I wanted him to go home. Definitely. Okay. Interesting. So we see here Razor Ramon and Dean Douglas squaring off. Nice clothesline by Razor. I talked about this recently. I want to get your take here, okay? Because I this was I, I recorded a lot of shows during the, the the height of the pandemic where you know we didn't have anybody over and I'll be honest with you I'm not the greatest uh, tech savvy individual so you know me and Skype trying to get someone on a Skype call to do this it just wasn't really working out for me um, so I uh, that's why I like the face to face interaction. Um, and, and by the way, you know, Dennis and I have been, you know, really careful for those of you that are listening, uh, you know, maintaining social distance and, and, and keeping up with our hygiene, etc. But anyhow, long story short, I did a podcast uh, talking about the prospects of Razor Ramon as the WWF champion. OK, I, as a kid, always felt that Razor Ramon was so good. Why did he never wrestle for the WWF title? With the exception of the one match he had with Bret Hart at the 1993 Royal Rumble, for the most part, which is a great match, why didn't Razor Ramon get other chances to be the WWF champion? Why was he always saddled with the Intercontinental title? Now, I tried to rationalize and think to myself, well, you know, Razor Ramon was so good and what he did, he was so over that he may not have needed to be the WWF champion. Kind of like a Roddy Piper or a Jake the Snake. Or, oh, here we go. Yokozuna and Mabel looks like they're trying to negotiate another individual to team up with Yokozuna in replacement of Owen Hart. Um, but anyways, back to what I was saying. Um, take away Razor's personal issues. Scott Hall's personal issues, and of course, it's well documented his history with drugs and alcohol, and he's in a better place in his life. Take take that away as a reason why he didn't get the spot as the man. Okay, was he better suited to be an anchor in the mid card and be the guy to get other guys to the next level to work with the Bret Hart's and the Shawn Michaels and the Undertakers? Or would he have been able to have would he have been able to have broken through the top of the card and become WWF champion and work with Sean and Diesel and Brett and Undertaker and all those guys at the tippy top of the main event? That's a great question. And then, um, it's so hard to the hard, one of the hardest things. Sorry. That, I couldn't hear what you said. Just fucking watch again, doing it to me again. That uh, one of the hardest things to do in this world is try to uh, change um, history. Not change history, but change like your perspective on people see you. Mm-hmm. And and my eyes, I just his 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 work rate is one of the best of all time. So yep. yeah, he could be a champion, whatever. But is it being that gatekeeper? Um, that gatekeeper like um, image, I just can't see him not being. It's not uh, not being. I just don't see him as the top guy. I can see him being like a traditional champion, absolutely. Uh-huh. And that that but but like a champion that's going to have a reign for a year, two years, 
or like multi or like a multiple title reign. Like I just don't see it. Like here, here's here's <clears throat> all right. So and if he was, and if you actually look at this picture, like this this part of history, let's say he becomes the champion, doesn't go to WCW or whatever. Like like he could if he was like top babyface whatever. It's that uh. No Stone Cold and all that other stuff. I, I don't know. I, I just don't see it. I honestly, you know, I'm glad you brought that up because I, I I brought that up in the in in that in that recording. You can find that actually. It's the um, it's in the archives. Uh, it's the What If Fanny Pack, where I I present the the What If scenario. What if Razor Ramon stayed with the WWF in 1996? Okay, let's 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 look at the landscape here. Right, 96. He, he, he goes into the year still in the midst of a rivalry with the 1-2-3 kid, but loses the Intercontinental Championship to Goldust, who was a very controversial character at the time. In 96, that was the point in time where I thought, oh, well, he just lost this huge match to Goldust. So he's got to be fighting for the belt soon. And then he didn't work that WrestleMania that year in 96. He was supposed to wrestle Goldust in like a Miami street fight, but apparently... He failed the drug test, and he was off the card. And then a month later, he jobbed to Vader, and that was his last pay-per-view appearance for the WWF as Razor Ramon. He would do the curtain call with Diesel and Sean and Hunter at the Garden a couple of weeks later, and that was his last night in the company. But his last television appearance was that pay-per-view with Vader. And so imagine had he not gone to WCW Look at the list of look look at the list of guys Sean worked with. You know, Brett left after Sean beat him for the belt. Okay, in '96, Sean worked with Diesel. Then Diesel went to WCW. Sean worked with Bulldog twice. He worked with Goldust. He worked with Vader. He worked with Sid. He worked with Mankind. He worked with a lot of great great opponents. Imagine if you threw a Razor Ramon in there. Yeah. Think about this. Okay, the history those two have with the ladder match. And the Intercontinental Championship, okay? The WrestleMania 10 ladder match, Razor picks up the victory. The SummerSlam 1995 match, which was a month after, which was a month before this pay-per-view as we're currently watching right now. Sean beat Razor in the ladder match. Imagine Sean is the WWF champion and at an in-your-house pay-per-view, it's him and Razor in a ladder match for the WWF title. The rubber match ladder match between these two guys, but for the bigger prize. Yeah. You know? I just... That bogey just speaks itself, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm just kind of like... he. I feel like, you know, Razor Ramon, a lot was left off the table for him in the WWF at a main event level. Now, I agree with you. He could have been a transitional champion. I don't see him necessarily having the belt for a year as a babyface, but maybe if they turn Razor heel and Razor went back heel, okay, I could see him working with Sean, maybe having a run for a couple of months, taking the title, kind of trading it back and forth. You know, had they not gone to the well and used Ultimate Warrior or used Sid, maybe Razor would have been the guy that him and Sean had a series of matches with in the fall of '96. You know, if Razor had stayed with the WWF. I mean, there's so many what-if scenarios, but I just feel like Razor Ramon was so good that he outgrew the Intercontinental Championship, and I was just surprised that, as a kid, he didn't at least get a crack at the WWF, at the WWF title on pay-per-view, you know? Yeah. But 
I, as I prefaced it earlier, I'm, I'm guessing his personal issues and his documented history with drugs and alcohol played a part in it. I bet just one of one, one of a definitely. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure. I'm sure that 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 plays a role in it. And and another point too, like you mentioned, like he didn't need it. No, he didn't. But it still would have been nice to see him compete for it. I mean, he was that good. Why couldn't he get a title shot? Even if he didn't win it, you know what I mean? Yeah. I bet you that's why uh, Hogan for and WCW Hogan that that loves Scott Hall because a he didn't need he got over and he didn't want a championship. <laughs> yeah, well, it's funny too because you know. Scott Hall's WCW run consisted of the majority of it being associated with Kevin Nash in a tag team. They were the tag team champions a number of times as the Outsiders, NWO Wolfpack, etc. There was one instance where Scott Hall won that that World War III three-ring, 60-man battle royal to earn a chance at the WCW title. And he cashed in on that opportunity against Sting at a pay-per-view a few months later, but it just didn't, it didn't really, it didn't really, I felt like, get the recognition it deserved for Scott Hall in that position. You know what I mean? Like, it was around that time when they were starting to split the NWO up. They had went black and white and red and black. And that was like, I guess, like, from what I understand, from what I've read, that was like the peak of Scott Hall's personal issues at the time in WCW. So he would take these sabbaticals here and there where he would go to rehab or Bischoff would give him some time off to clean up his act. I feel like if Hall won the world title, that would have been the straw that stirred the drink in splitting up the NWO. Like Nash on one side, Hogan on the other. Who's going to have control of the world champion in their NWO? You know? Yeah. That would have been pretty intriguing. But, you know, history told us something different and, you know, understandably so. It's a, But I'm just so fascinated. Like, I, 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 I talk about it to death. I'm just so fascinated with, like, all the what-if scenarios and, you know, what could have been. And it just makes for fun conversation. As he's getting whipped, pillar to post here by the Dean, Dean Douglas, yeah. who wouldn't last very long in, uh, in in WWF. His his run was his run was pretty short. Uh, you know he, he you know he, he was in trouble when he wins the IC championship and then when he gets what does he have for ten minutes? Oh yeah, he got yeah. Cause the next month he uh, he um he had it uh. He, yeah, the next month he uh, he he lost the um, the title within a matter of minutes because it was handed to him by uh, by Sean because Sean had to forfeit it when Sean got the um, when Sean got beat up in real life. You ever heard that story? Yeah, he got beat up by a couple of uh, the Marines yeah, in the Syracuse. Marines. So apparently, for those of you that don't know that are listening, um, it was the October nineteen ninety five. In your house pay per view, and it was scheduled to be Dean Douglas here, who is uh, uh, facing Razor Ramon, scheduled to challenge Shawn Michaels for the Intercontinental Championship. And uh, before that pay per view, I don't know if it was a couple of days or a week, um, the Shawn Michaels was attacked and beat up by a couple of Marines in a bar in Syracuse, New York. 
and his click buddies like Scott Hall here and Diesel and 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 uh, Triple H. Uh, they were they weren't with him that evening. They were doing another show. They split the crews up and did another show somewhere else. So the story goes was that Sean was getting a little too flirtatious with one of the Marines' girlfriends. They had some words and went back and forth. And apparently, these Marines pulled Sean out of the car. So they were getting ready to leave, and they came outside the bar, and they pulled him out of the car, and they started beating him up. And this is where it gets comical. He's with Davy Boy and 123 Kid. And Davy Boy and 123 Kid are in the back seat of the car, and apparently the car was one of those fucking two-door cars. And you got to pull the seat to get someone out of the back seat. And the, both of them had trouble getting out of the back seat. Number one, because they were so fucking big. They were bigger than the car. <laughs> they couldn't get out of the back seat to help. And so Sean basically got beat up by a couple of guys. And then eventually Davy Boy and, and Kid would get out and it would be over with. But by the time that they got out, it was they were pretty tore up. So Sean would have to forfeit the belt because he suffered some, some serious head injuries, a concussion. And it would be awarded to Dean Douglas here, and he would be the Intercontinental Champion for about, like you said, 10 or 15 minutes. He would lose it to Razor pretty quickly. And I believe that was one of the sticking points with Douglas. Well, do you think it's it's, it's, it's pretty... Um, it's pretty... Um, a lot of people have said that the fight happened. Yep. But to the extent of his injuries, they, they claim it's kind of bullshit. A lot of people think that once again, Sean didn't want to put someone over, so he said, "So he said, blah 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 blah." Here's the title. this happened, yeah. etc. So yeah, I need to drop the title. Yeah, I've heard stuff like that too, where like they could have held off the match and set it for another date when he was physically able. But I've also heard too that some people called bullshit on the Marine story, but. The, the Marines attacking him, but uh, Davy Boy and uh, One Two Three Kid have backed up that story. Um, but yeah, I, I've heard that too, Dennis. I've heard that he's yeah, he didn't want to do business. Another one of those, you know, I lost my smile kind of deals. Yeah. Oh, Razor's Edge here. I don't know, when I hear stuff like that, I know people go gaga over. Uh, Speaking of which, there's uh, a One Two Three Kid making the count. <laughs> What the heck? He's like, get out of here. Yeah, and this was the beginning of the split between these two. Whoa! Whoa that was a good push. He fucking bumped the shit out of him there. Roll up. Okay. Shitty roll up. Two, yeah, three. Ooh, my goodness. And you're where? Dean Douglas. Yep. Wasn't a fan of Dean Douglas, and I really even wasn't a fan of uh, Shane Douglas franchise. Uh, he was okay. Him versus Taz was a really good match. The rivalry, yeah, yeah that, that was good. some good stuff. Everything else just kind of like, eh. <laughs> you know? Yeah, him and Bam Bam. Yes, the triple threat wasn't a bad little uh, little stable within ECW. I'll give him that. Yeah. Excuse me. Taking a little sippy sip. Looks like... Uh, Razor, none too pleased. Did he ever have a, a paper blow off one to three kid in, in the uh, yes. room? Yes. 
Yes, they did. I don't know if you remember this. They wrestled in an in-your-house in a crybaby mask. Yes, I do remember. With the diaper? Yeah, I do remember. Yeah. Yeah, that's pretty bad. Just like this roll up here. Yeah. It's pretty bad. Jesus. You know what's funny, too? Watching these, you know, watching the replay there, that that the finish. My wife will watch wrestling with me. And I've said this before. She's She likes it, but she's not like every week. And especially now with the pandemic, she's like, why would I want to watch something where like no audience is just fucking boring? Like the only thing she liked from WrestleMania was the Boneyard match with Undertaker and AJ Styles. She thought that was great. But oh wow, these two really fucking laying into each other here. You see referee. You know it's serious when the when the when the referees and the officials in the suits come out to break yep. it up. You know? Wow. They're really wow. Going at it. Jesus. He's pissed. Kid. When, when, Laying them in. When did they join the other million dollar corporations? Not long after this. Yeah. Not long after this. One, two, three kid would join the million dollar corporation and that would start the rivalry with him and uh, Razor Ramon. But um, my wife would watch. You know, my, my wife's not a big fan of wrestling, but she'll watch. And if she sees a finish, she'll look and she'll be like, the ref counted to three and his shoulder was still up. <laughs> so there was an instance there where Razor's shoulder was still up. My, if my wife was watching, she'd be like, yeah, that technically doesn't count. Because she's like, by the book, goes by the rules. I here, There's something to that. I hate when the shoulder's up and the referee's looking right at it. Yes. It still counts. Yes. Ugh. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that, yeah, that's ridiculous. That's ridiculous. I'm not a fan of that myself. The- Oh God! Here we go. This is when they show the merchandise. Let's let's take a listen to this. In your house, but before I bring in Big Daddy Cool and the Heartbreak Kid to get in the mood, and so you can get in the mood, the Shawn Michaels cap, which comes in small and large, the Shawn Michaels glasses, which are the same things that he wears to the ring, right now available to you for only twenty-five dollars. And the only way that you can get them is by dialing 1-800-TITAN-91. But wait, I'm not done. If you call tonight, that was good. If you call tonight, you can get this tape, WWF Classic Video, for absolutely free. But now, without further ado, what everyone's waiting on, the Intercontinental Champion Shawn Michaels, the WWF Champion Big Daddy Cool. Gentlemen, what's your take on the Owen Hart missing situation? You know, it's really frustrating. You know, it's like, have you ever been in love with this chick and you really want her bad and she's a little fatty in the head and you can't make things work? You know how frustrating that was when you were a little kid? That's how I am. A little frustrated. First thing, we want both our belts on the line, so we do it. Now that you know, now Owen's not here, I mean, what's the deal? We, is this gig gonna happen or not? I smell a rat. I thought that was just a uh, doc here. Oh, I smell a rat. Something's up, man. I'll tell you something. It doesn't matter who they get out of that locker room. These two dudes with attitudes, when it's said and done, will be two chaps with four straps. Oh, my goodness. Well, there you have it, Vinnie Mac. Back to you. All right, thank you very much. Two dudes with attitudes, and yes. They don't say a word, do they? Wow. Will you be caught dead with that, by the way? What's that? Will you be caught dead with the uh, the hat and the glasses? Yeah. Now, yes. Back then, or no, I wouldn't. I wouldn't dare try that. Back then, in 1995, I wanted. I didn't want the glasses, but I wanted the biker hat and the gloves. 
because I thought Shawn Michaels' look was the bee's knees, as we see um, Jean-Pierre Lafitte, otherwise known as P.C.O. This, this gimmick gets shit on all the time, but I loved it. I mean... A cannonball for a finisher. It was a whole... What about but what about the angle here? Stealing the jacket. Like this is a situation where like I feel like it didn't need this they could have thrown these two together for a match without any kind of backstory behind it. I'd have been fine with it. But the fact that he took his jacket You don't find that fucking stupid? It's a little stupid. Yeah. But, but they okay. had they had they had some kind of reason of of had the match, right? Yeah, but at the same time, this was also during the era, like I said earlier, where you know they would just throw two guys together and announce a match, and that's how the story started. It was Bret that, Hart though? That, that, uh, if it, if it was if it was um, that's a good point. That's a good point. I mean, Bret Bret was a Bret was a top guy back then. You know, he was a big deal. So yeah, I get it. Yeah, if it was Fat Two versus you, you know uh, Pierre, uh, yeah, you, you have a point. Yeah, but it's Bret Hart. They needed. They needed to uh, have some kind of story to it. I like how he popped out through the door. That was pretty good. Instead of the garage. What did you think of the, uh, as we're talking about the, the set design here, the, the the house, what did you think of the in-your-house set design at the uh, the NXT show a couple months good. back? Yeah. I wish they had, like, the true, it was different. But that, uh, but it is just nitpicking. Like, I wish they had, had the original set. But it was good. Like yeah. Gargano going through the the door. That was pretty good. Okay. All right. Yeah, I thought I thought it was a nice touch. They I felt like they needed to add that. Um, hopefully they keep it around. The the, the in your house concept. I think it's weird though. You got like um, like um, Great American Bash, and like uh, in your house or all NXT things. What you think? Like you'll have a. One of the the main roster, anyway. They do Starcade. Yeah, that's a good. But point. it's like a house show. Yeah. They're like televised, like two matches on house show, and they call it Starcade, which I, I had this argument with someone recently regarding the whole Great American Bash thing. So, um, as you know, Great American Bash was a concept that was created by the late American Dream Dusty Rhodes, and upon creating and forming All Elite Wrestling, Cody Rhodes was able to obtain the intellectual property um, and the trademarks to some of the older events from WCW. Those those trademarks and those names apparently lapsed, and WWE didn't own those anymore. They could still show those events on the network, but to use them in present day, they're not allowed to. So for instance, Bash at the Beach um, is owned by Cody Rhodes and I believe his family. Um, Super Brawl, which was something that WCW, I don't know if Dusty created Super Brawl or if it was a WCW creation, but nonetheless, that trademark lapsed, Cody owns that. The phrase, The Match Beyond, which was created as a part of the war games concept is f- that phrase, the match beyond is owned by Cody. Um, and the battle bowl concept where you have the two hodgepodge guys form a tag team from the lottery to face another hodgepodge tag team. And the winning team goes into the battle Royal. You remember that? Yeah. That idea. 
that for that name is also owned by Cody Rhodes. So anyhow, long story short, I'm a part of this group on Facebook called Save American Wrestling, and then a lot of the guys on there they're very like heavy on the WWE hate. Anything they do is is fucking blasphemous, and Vince is an old man that's lost his touch. And there's some of those statements I believe to be true, but they they're like old whiny wrestling fans. Like they just complain about everything, everything, everything fucking sucks except for AEW, of course. You know. They're, they're, they're shitting gold from a, from a television production level. So this one guy in the group puts this post up, and he's like, oh, this is real nice. He goes, Vince just throwing it in Cody's face using the Great American Bash theme, not even, uh, not even uh, using the name with respect and using it as a, 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 a tool to throw it in Cody's face because he doesn't have the trademark to combat the Fighter Fest event that's that, that had taken place. And I, I, I was like, I don't think... And I, so I commented, and I was like, I don't think it's that serious. I don't think it's that big of a deal. Um, you know, your, your tinfoil hat conspiracy can be put to rest, et cetera, et cetera. And this guy's like, he's doing it. Vince is solely doing it to rub it in Cody's face because Cody couldn't get the trademark. And, um, and, you know, from what I understand, that Great American Bash theme, that that name was trademarked years ago when Dusty was alive, you know? And to be quite honest with you, had Dusty owned the trademarks, why were the, why were those names purchased in the sale of WCW back in 2001. So I was just kind of, you know, I, I was kind of baffled by the situation. Like, I, he feel this guy in the group feels like that the the name was only used to get to, to throw it in Cody's face and to combat the, the Fighter Fest annual event that they have. Um, I figured it's that time of year. It's July. Fourth of July was right around the corner, et cetera, et cetera. You, uh, you, you, you throw the name out there. It's a recognizable name. It doesn't mean much nowadays, but it's like Starcade in a sense too. Like that's the, they've used Starcade the last couple of years at like Thanksgiving weekend. Like WWE will run like a Sunday night house show, and they'll. They'll, they'll, they'll advertise like two matches that are going to be taped for this Starcade special. It's not Starcade. It's not what Starcade was. You know what I mean? The name don't really matter. You can call it Hot Dog Down a Fucking Hallway, and as long as the matches are good, nobody's going to give a shit about the fucking name, right? So that's how I feel. It's just me going on a little bit of a rant here. And I think little- he, he might, has a little bit of a point that, that, uh, so, uh, Fighter Fest essentially their class of the champions where you get this pay per view for free. Yeah, and they kind of I think they choose that they chose the Great American Bash name to to twist the knife a little bit. You but did? I oh. do. Yeah, I mean, and also let me put it this way: if Cody wanted the trademark, did he have fought them in court for it? He already has a leg up on them with all the other trademarks that he currently owns. And like I, I said, if it's a, if it's something that Dusty had created, why wasn't that licensed and trademarked by the Rhodes family before WCW, you know, was purchased from WWE? Yeah, that's a good point. You know, I don't think it's a big deal, but I, I think there's merit to what that guy said for the, for the reasoning that the the, uh, the name of that pay per view or, or not pay per view, but. Uh, 
of the of the NXT event because uh, two weeks as well, right? Both both Fighter Fest and Great American Bash are. Two I weeks, believe right? so. Yeah, I believe yeah. it was. Yeah, I believe it was uh, two weeks, and uh, you know, I I get it. Like I mean, but at the same time too, like I, I mean, I guess he's got a point. I don't know. I just feel like it's just another like it's just another way to position Vince McMahon as a bad guy all the time. You know what I mean? Like, oh, Vince did this because. He's trying to throw it in Cody's face, and I don't know. It's that it's that us versus them kind of mentality um, that the AEW thrives off of. That they took a page out of uh, Paul Heyman's book here. But uh, Jean Pierre Lafitte here. Let's get back to the uh, present as we're watching this. Uh, 1995. This was over a jacket. Um, uh, yeah, that's uh, that's really about it. This would be the this would really be like this match and this rivalry was the extent of his run as the pirate. Um, have you ever heard the story about his issues with with jobbing the diesel in Canada? No. So he's French Canadian here. PCO Pierre Carl Houlette. Yeah. All right, and they're running. Montreal and different parts of Quebec um, on, a, on a live event loop. And he's in the main event facing Diesel as the champion. And the story goes was that um, he felt like if he wasn't going to win the belt, he shouldn't job clean to Diesel on the, on the house show because it's going to hurt ticket sales the next time they come back to Canada. And so they had a match and one night, and uh, I think the, the finish was like a double count out or a double DQ or some shit like that. And so then the next night, they go to a different town, and some and the, the, him and Diesel have their issues over what the finish is going to be. And apparently Diesel wanted to jackknife him, clean one, two, three, and PCO thought, you know, no, no jackknife. Um, you know, or I kick out of the jackknife. I'm one of them. You know what I mean? Something like that, right? So they 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 have their match, and apparently, I guess like Diesel Diesel didn't really make a big deal of it until Shawn Michaels got in his ear and said something to the effect of, "You're gonna let this fucking lower card guy tell you the champion what the finish is gonna be just because we're in his hometown." Fuck that. So Diesel went out there and they went to go have their match and there were some issues and uh, Diesel had to shoot on him physically and like throw some real live rounds at him to fucking tell him, hey, no, listen, this is how it's going to go. And not long after that, he was gone. No more PCO. No more Pierre Carroulette. The pirate was no more. In the WWF. I kind of agree with Diesel. Like, I'm kind of there with you, too. Like, who would have fuck it? Like, like... It wasn't like he was in line for the belt. Exactly. That's probably his biggest pay, payoff. And, I don't know. Because he's worried about how ticket sales are going to be the next time they go into town, so that's why he, he needed to change the finish. Like, dude was the champ. Is it, and, it, and he's in the main event. Yeah. He was in the main event of a house show, which I don't know what the payoff system was like back then. I know that like contracts were di- were structured a little differently depending on your stature on the card, and the pay scale was much much different, much different than what it was today. 
you you didn't get a downside guarantee. Um, you know, a you. Oh, jeez, no. oh, nice leg drop. Yeah, it was. Oh, nice leg drop there. But um, anyhow, um, yeah, the pay scale was much different. So I don't know what he would have gotten paid to work a house show loop in his in his region where he's from in in Quebec against Diesel. I mean, Canada was always it didn't Canada never seemed like a, a market that 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 struggled in wrestling. You know, stateside during this time period. They had trouble filling up buildings, big buildings. They'd run smaller venues like this event, like this, you know, uh, event in Saginaw, Michigan here. But Canada always seemed to do all right with their bigger venues, even when wrestling was in a down period. That's a good point. <coughs> Excuse me. And I just, my mind is blown that Pierre. Yeah, like, uh, like, He's got one eye for real. You know that, right? Yeah, yep, yeah, I yeah. do. That uh, and that's why he made the perfect pirate, but uh, that uh, he, uh, yeah, barely, barely a mid quarter, well, would uh, and uh, have have a quarrel of how how he, how he jobs in the main event. Yeah. If I was in the main event of him, I'd be thrilled. Yeah, a lot of guys. A lot of guys have egos. You know what I mean. He thought, you know, because he was a local, that you know he could get away with that sort of stuff, and that was going to sway in his favor. And and you know, my account of the story, from what I heard, is all paraphrased. Jesus Christ! (laughs) Oh my God! Brett totally. There was definitely no water in the pool there. Holy shit! Brett totally moved out of the way. Wow. That. That, uh, yeah, I mean that that that's what we see of him today, right? Currently, yeah, you know. <coughs> Excuse me. So that's crazy to me that Nash had to do live runs for for him. Yeah, from what I understand, he 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 lit him up pretty good and was like, "No fucker, this is what we're doing, and you're gonna you're gonna fucking go with it." And like in the middle of the ring. And then he was he was never heard from again. I think I think they didn't use him and his contract lapsed or whatever. I don't remember. But he would go to WCW with Jacques, and he would become one of the amazing French Canadians, a tag team that didn't really last very long no. uh, in WCW. And then him and Jacques would come back to the WWF in 1997, 98, to reform the Quebecers. Uh, in the, the the height of the Attitude Era, but that didn't last very long either. And we wouldn't really see much of him until um, he had a, a, a quick, quick one-off appearance for WCW in 2000 when they were when they ran a pay-per-view in, in Vancouver, British Columbia, and he was part of that group that Lance Storm. Had uh, yeah for like a hot second the Team Canada faction. So, I, I I liked how he won the the U.S. Championship. Then it was the Canadian Championship, and that that was pretty funny. Oh, when he yeah he renamed the titles the United States title, and but now you know PCO former Ring of Honor World Champion Jesus Christ part of the the 
Villain Enterprises with Marty Skrull and Flip Gordon and uh, was that that Brody King, right? Yeah, yeah. He's 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 made a resurgence. Um, from what I understand, before he re-signed with Ring of Honor earlier this year, he had some offers on the table from some from some places, and according to the rumors I've heard, WWE had some interest in him, or they at least discussed him returning to WWE. Um, so we'll see. We'll see. You know, he's. He's become very popular. Ooh, that was quite the stiff knee there. All right, how'd the referee not see that? Yeah, right. Come on, feet on the ropes. How the fuck did you not see that? Kyoto. <clears throat> Mike Kyoto. Recently released referee. Yeah, you gotta figure he'll be back. I would hope. I mean, he's got... Pff, shit, he'd been there forever. He'd been there for over 30 years when he got cut. I know he was injured and he wasn't refereeing uh, when they let him go. He was recovering from, like, a shoulder surgery, I think. But Mike Kyoto, one of the coolest dudes around. I had I had a few beers and some and some shots with Mike Kyoto once in Atlanta. Um, it was after the, the 2011 Hall of Fame ceremony uh, when Shawn Michaels went in. Uh, me and, uh, me and my, my, my cousin Bill, uh, who's co-hosted on this show before, Bill, uh, we went to this, like, karaoke bar in downtown Atlanta that was open until, like, 4 in the morning. It was like a it was like an old fifties diner that turned into a karaoke bar at night, and uh, Kyoto was in there with I believe um, uh, Great Kali's manager. Remember? Oh yeah, yeah. The Singh guy, Ranjan Singh, or whatever. I think right. Yeah, and a few other people I don't remember. And uh, I walked over, introduced myself, um, and then. Uh, he was he was all geeked out from from the Hall of Fame. He was like you know because because he was he worked with Sean you know he he refed a lot of Sean's matches and so he was um, he was talking about that and then like he started to get emotional because he was talking about Joey Morella who had died in the car accident in '94 and that was one of his best friends. Joey Morella was a former referee, son of uh, the late Gorilla Monsoon, and he died in a car accident and. Uh, in July of 94, I believe. And so Morello was like, if they ever do a Hall of Fame, my my best friend, Joey Morello, has got to be the first one to get in there um, for referees. And uh, we should... referees in the other. <clears throat> I think they should. I don't see why not. Yeah. I would say no, there's no referees, are there? No. I don't see why not. I mean... They play a pivotal part. Why can't they get recognized, yeah. you know? I mean, but then again, are there umpires and referees in other sports that, that get Hall of Fame recognition? Great question. I think, I can't put 100% certainty to it, but I think there are one or two baseball umpires in the Hall of Fame. Okay. I think right. so. Bret Hart picking up the victory over Jean-Pierre Lafitte. Yep. He gets his Jerry jacket Lard. back now. Jerry Lar is not happy about that. No, he is not. Dennis, I'm going to grab a beverage while we're recording from the refrigerator over here. Would you like something? No, good, man. You're good? Okay. As we uh, we see Brett making his way to grab... Yep, he's grabbing his jacket. Grabbing his jacket. Him and his jacket have been reunited. 
got it and it feels so good. Come on, Laura, attack him. Get the jacket back. <laughs> So far, for the match of the match of the night, yeah, yeah, I, I, I didn't mind it. Honestly, did not mind it at all. Oh, and this is it right here. This is where they announce it. The Davy Boy is going to be the man. Let's uh, let's let's play the audio. First, the hardest four you find right under your very nose, and that's exactly what I did. Even though he's already wrestled once tonight, I know he's the man to get the job done, and the partner for Yokozuna tonight. And the triple header is gonna be the British Bulldog. <laughs> Mr. President. Mr. President. The British Bulldog, David Boy Smith, to be, for tonight only, one half of the World Wrestling Federation Tag Team Champions. So that's exactly what you're saying tonight. The World Wrestling Federation Tag Team Champions are the British Bulldog and Yokozuna. Is that correct? That's correct. And also, if the British Bulldog is to beat Shawn Michaels or Diesel in this match, then he will be the Intercontinental or World Wrestling Federation Champion, just as was originally signed. That is correct as well. Yeah. Also, he also has the opportunity to lose the tag belts as well. Well, don't you worry about that, because i got a lot of confidence now. You back me in a corner, you... All right, Vince, it looks like the triple header's set back to ringside. All right, it is official. British Bulldog, Davy Boy Smith, replacing Owen Hart here. A um, <clears throat> little bit of a swerve action there going on as we are set for the main event of the evening, the triple header for the for not only the WWF Championship, not only the Intercontinental Championship. Here we go. Alundra Blaze. Alundra Blaze, Medusa. That, uh, she was always one of my favorites. I liked her. She's a smoke show, man. I follow her on yeah. social media. She's she's she, she's a lot of fun to follow. She 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 still loves wrestling. Um, she'll comment a lot about wrestling, tweet or post about wrestling. Some of the stuff she did, some of the stuff she's currently watching. Um, someone who came up in the wrong time period for women's wrestling. Would oh, you Would you agree? So well said. I mean, and, uh, I felt so bad about like, um, in my opinion, for women's wrestlers, the most over like could the complete package being over and like like work rate. I think skill Bull, level. Yeah, I think it's Bull Nakano. And that, that 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 in the nineties, women's wrestling in Japan was fucking huge. They'll sell out the Tokyo Dome every year at that, that the uh, the the Egg Universe uh, event that. Uh, that uh, but Medusa being being a gaijin, she couldn't get uh, over uh, that as a top, so she had to come to America, and then when she comes to America, we treat women's wrestling like shit. Yeah, so it's our hurt into a to that's so perfect thing. She wrestled in the wrong era. Yes, she did. Um, she was a valet in AWA before she really blew up. Um, uh, Diamond Dallas, right. Uh, she was actually, you know, who she valeted for, and it was a, it was brief. The the guy who played nails in WWE oh, really? was in AWA. By he went by his real name, Kevin Kelly, and she was a valet to him. She might have been a valet with DDP in AWA. I don't remember, but um, she did wrestle for the women's championship. I believe she was an AWA women's champion, but they didn't really treat women's wrestling. 
with importance it was just like a it was like a special attraction um to to them as well and then she would eventually make it to wcw and she was rick rude's valet and she was a part of the dangerous alliance with austin and arn anderson and uh beautiful bobby eaton and larry zabisco and then she would come to the WWF in, I believe, I want to say late 93, maybe early 94. Yeah, late 93. She was a part of the WWF. Um, and they tried to inst- this on the web. institute a women's division here. My damn watch lately. I'll tell you, it's just been it picks up everything else, but it picks up this shit, but it doesn't pick up everything else. Um, Shawn Michaels making his way to the ring part of this main event here but um yeah dennis i just feel like if she was a part of well here's a here's the other messed up part too right so wwf really has nothing for her okay it was like around this time where they i think they let her go or they just said we're you know we're not going to renew your contract and she was still the champion and then I believe it's in December of this year, 1995, where she does the spot on Nitro, where she shows up with the belt and she throws yeah. the belt in the can. Okay. What the fuck does she do after that? Hardly anything. Yeah, she jobs to uh, um, Akira Hokuto. Yeah. And she didn't do anything. I mean, she. Uh, yeah, that was bad booking. That. Uh, at the time, I don't even think it's worth arguing. And Kira Okuto was a better worker than her, and it always will be. But, uh, but you hardly use Medusa though. You needed her to be the champion though. Yeah. Like, 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 like I, I. But, but they weren't. Fo- but here's the thing: they weren't focusing on women's wrestling at that no, time. No, that's no. the problem. No, like you said, it was a side attraction. Big Daddy Cool. I was a big Diesel guy. Diesel and Shaw were my guys during this era. Um, Sean, a little, to a little point, like, you know me, I've always been more of a heel than... than, than the heel than character, yeah. yeah. Then, then, so Diesel did nothing for me, but Sean, I always liked Sean. Until I, 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 I like Sean because he was... Found, I find out how, what, what, do you, what kind of person he was. Now I think he's a total douchebag. But well, he was at one point. He's, you know. uh, now, even that whole Christian stuff, I think it's bananas. Really? I you don't, don't, don't buy for one second. Really? I don't. Wow. Oh, you're on that Jim Cornette train. Yeah. Thank you, fuck you, bye. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> what was Cornette's quote about Shawn Michaels? Uh, if, if, if most likely, if you f- guys in this business that find God are only only find God because no one else talks to them or some shit like that. Yeah, I think he said right. something like that. Yeah, he don't he don't buy that either. But I mean, I don't know. Who knows? I've heard other accounts for people. I just bet you he he's probably was the most loneliest wrestler of all time. I bet you no one wouldn't be part of him. Other than the click, other than his click buddies. Even that, I just think it was more politics than anything. I don't think those are real friends of his. I really don't. Really? Wow, you're really, really know. You're really. And they're such good buddies. Why? Why would he go to WCW? I'm sorry. Because he had a locked in contract, he couldn't. Sean couldn't go anywhere. He wanted to go because he was so mad at what happened with with the 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 locker room fight in Hartford with Brett. He wanted to go, but he was locked into a deal. He couldn't leave. You think he would have gone over in WCW? 
I don't. I think they would have. I don't think they would have known what to do with him exactly, like they did with Brett. I think. I think they would have miscast him for sure. If they would have put any emphasis on Shawn Michaels, they would have made him um, like the U.S. champion, a tag team champion. They maybe might have gotten away with using him as a cruiserweight because he could fly around. But hey, was some Ray Mysterio, that I don't think they would have made him. I don't think they would have treated him as importantly as they should. Um, just I, I feel like they wouldn't have known what to do with him. Kind of like what happened with Brett. Yeah, he would have been maybe an NWO lackey or something. I yeah, I could see that for sure. I could see that. Um, yeah, I don't. I don't. Yeah, him leaving the WWE would have been a big, big mistake. Yeah, I mean, you know, he he was a big fish. In the WWF, he uh, would have been. Just, he would have been. He would have been a big fish in a, in in, or he would have been a small fish in a big pond in WCW. Would you look at all the names over there? Hogan, Hogan Savage, yeah. Sting, DDP, Ric Flair, Hall and Nash, Goldberg, Roddy Piper. You know that's just the top of the card. Okay, you know what I mean. They had a lot of names in house over there. That uh, no pun intended, by the way. Um, and he wouldn't have he, he wouldn't have stood out. Definitely wouldn't have stood out. Yeah. And even like seeing his own way would have been hauling. There's only alright. There's only one way I think Sean I you know, I'm gonna save that comment for another day. I'm gonna save that, that topic for another day. That's a topic that's that's a topic right. for another day. I I'm just saying my Shawn Michaels and WCW because I got I got some I got some thoughts about that that I'd like to save for for another day here. And by the way, I looked it up. There are ten baseball umpires in the Hall of Fame. So none, referee, so yeah, okay. none, not, none in the none in the NFL, and and I didn't look at hockey or anything. Or NBA, but, yeah. But, that, uh, but um, NBA. Uh, all right, if you were to all right, so so on that subject, yeah. Earl Hebner here in the ring, Hall of Fame, absolutely. Who else? For can you name a referee Nick that deserves to go in the Hall of Fame? Nick Patrick. Yeah. Okay. Anyone else? Uh, no. Really? Um, who's that guy? Wait, wait, wait! I always forget his name. Some people say he's like the best. Tommy Young. Tommy Young. Thank Tommy you. Young and Jim Crockett. Yeah, those are the only three I think deserve to be in. Nine. I mean, first of all, I only saw about two or three Tommy Young matches, but that, uh, but, but, but. It's like his, his lore. It's I told you the story about Tommy Young with uh, Nikita Koloff. Yeah. Rick Flair. Yeah. Just, just recently. That, uh, Tucks his dick back in his tights to make the kill. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No shame either. Yeah, you had to pay me a lot of money to do that. No shame either. That's for sure. There's a there's a bit, a funny bit on uh, on the, the Tony Schiavone podcast that Shivani told this story regarding Tommy Young. So apparently, um, Tommy Young, they used to have this, uh, he used to have this, this like back and forth little inside joke with the barbarian. And Barbarian used to say to Tommy Young in the dressing room, Tommy Young, you come over here, you jack me off, easy way or hard way. 
<laughs> and like it'd be like a haha, and it'd be funny. But it became such a big thing on the Shivani podcast. Anytime that Tommy Young would come up or Barbarian would come up, they'd be like, Tommy Young, you come over here, you check me off easy way, hard way. <laughs> so every time I think of Tommy Young, it's Tommy Young. But apparently, Barbarian doesn't remember any of this. So when someone brought it up to him at some fan convention, he was like, what the fuck are you talking about? I never jacked off Tommy Young. (laughs) (laughs) Diesel and Yokozuna. That's another match that I always wondered why they never went with that on TV. Other than the fact that it's both two big guys and it probably wouldn't have been the greatest match, I am really surprised that Diesel and and Yokozuna never, like, headlined, like, a big show or was it, like, a featured match other than this interaction here. So this will be the big question. Um, so, obviously, Diesel would go over. Yeah. How would you finish the match? Well, it's funny that you mention that. Because there's this great story I, I once heard on an old shoot interview with Kevin Nash. Kevin Nash was talking about during this time period in 1995, when he was the champion, Bill Watts came in and worked as a consultant and an agent for WWF. He was a, like a consultant on the writing team and he would agent some matches. And apparently, when Watts was running WCW, Nash was working there at the time and he wrestled as Vinny Vegas. And he had a match and something didn't go. Oh, Jesus. What the hell is that? Yeah. Davey Boy could not get him up. Um, you going to try it again? He was trying for the standing vertical. Like he normally does. And that's pretty impressive for a big guy like Nash. So anyhow, long story short, Nash uh, Nash did something during a match that didn't really work out. And Watts went up to him in the back. And he punched him in the face. And Watts is the boss. This is according to Nash. So Nash, according to Nash, and you know he's had a tendency to embellish the truth. He claims he no-sold it. And was just like, okay, you want to do that? Your day will come. So, fast forward a few years later, and it's a dark match after an episode of Superstars or an episode of Monday Night Raw or whatever, and it's Nash versus Yokozuna in the big blue cage, all right? And it takes about, like, 45 minutes to set this cage up. The, 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 the union workers that were local, the local stagehands in the area, had never set up a steel cage before. It was they, they used like a, a bunch of local guys and they didn't use their own production crew. So it took about 45 minutes to set this cage up. And this is after they had they were already done taping TV. And it was Nash with the title against Yoko. And Yoko had a hard time getting in the fucking cage to begin with because the door to the big blue cage was a certain size. So he gets in there and Nash says um, that the bell rings. Yoko goes for clothesline into the corner Nash ducks Yoko hits the turnbuckle Nash gives him the big boot one two three matches over he goes through the curtain and Watts is in the back who apparently Watts was in charge of the match and the taping and he looks at Nash and he's like what the fuck was that like you're supposed to be out there for 10 minutes you didn't do this shit in 30 seconds Nash goes 
I was just reading the crowd, man, and that crowd sounded like they wanted to go home. So we just made it short. And Watts like lost his mind that like he would like how dare Nash disobey him. And Nash said that he was just like, you're in my house now, my fucking territory, my rules. Fuck you, Bill. And like did like the whole jerking off motion. And that was the last of Bill Watts in the WWF. Or he didn't last very long after that. I didn't know he was it. It was brief. Yeah. It was very brief from what I've heard. It was one of those things where, like, he was brought in, and um, I I don't know if it was a favor to Jr., but um, they wanted to use Nash their Watts's expertise with booking and. But that that is such bush league that you're the boss, right? Yeah. And you just go over to someone and punch them in the face. Then no, no, and a you you would probably get murdered in a real fight, and 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 b. That that uh, you just doing that for for abuse of power, you know? There's some like, gra- there's some crazy Bill Watt stories from his tenure as the vice president of wrestling operations in WCW. Apparently, he wasn't the first guy Nash used to that he put Nash wasn't the first guy he put hands on. He would get in a lot of guys' faces, and if they if something didn't go right in a match or if something didn't go right on television, he would make sure that like physically, like you knew about it. Like he he had no problem jacking guys up against the fucking wall. If guys got in his face, he'd get right back in their face. Like he was, he wasn't a people person. From the stories I've heard and the accounts that I've read, he was very. He was like one of the boys. Like he was. He he brought the locker room mentality to the corporate structure of Turner, and that didn't work. Like he would go to the office and. He would treat the office like the locker room. Like he would have like little like takedown tournaments in the copying room with the interns who didn't even want to work for WCW. They were just they were looking for an office job fresh out of college. And he's like putting guys in full Nelsons while they're trying to make copies and, and fax shit over. You know, and these are just young interns that are just looking for, you know, a, a starting out position in an office setting. <coughs> fresh out of college, excuse me. Um then there's a great story of Watts. Um, <clears throat> something happened at a TV taping, and the, the corporate guys at Turner held a meeting in his office. And his office, apparently, at the old CNN Center, um, used to have a balcony. So in the middle of the meeting, he gets up, and he goes to take a leak off the balcony, which is about like five or six stories up. Off the balcony in the middle of a meeting with the corporate executives of Turner, like they they like the they say he was literally a cowboy, like he was an old cowboy. He didn't give a shit, <laughs> but he also ruffled a lot of feathers, not just with like what you said, abuse of power. Like he cut budget and payroll, like you wouldn't believe. Um, a lot of guys had their contracts cut in half uh, during that era. Um, Whatever they were making before, they were restructured. I guess Watts was, and apparently Watts part of Watts's deal with Turner was if he can get the budget deficit down to a certain level, he got a bonus. So all those contracts he cut and 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 restructured, he got a percentage of each of those contracts or a percentage of them overall together. So. Like the only person's contract who wasn't cut during that time was Ric Flair. When Ric Flair returned in early 93, when Watts was still in charge, Watts signed him to a nice lucrative deal. But everyone else, from Sting to Vader to Luger to all those guys, all took a huge pay cut. 
and that pissed off a lot of people. He didn't make many friends <laughs> everywhere. He, he his his run and his tenure as the boss in WCW was was is always looked at as you know an unpleasant one. But I will say. If you go back and you watch old 1992 WCW, Dennis, the quality of wrestling, the in-ring stuff, and even some of the storylines beats WWF out of the water. Mm. Dangerous Alliance, stuff with Rick Rude and Ricky Steamboat, Cactus Jack and Vader, Sting, you know, like the, the list goes on and on. The Steiner Brothers, like, they were stacked. Speaking of stacked, Yokozuna almost fucking stacked Shawn Michaels here. Yeah. With that bonsai drop. Jeez Louise. I tell you what, the Yokozuna match could be boring as hell, but that bonsai drop was pretty awesome. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He was impressive, man. He was really impressive. To me, I always looked at him like he was the, like, he was this era's version of Andre the Giant. Larger than life, just a big man. Yeah, you know I what I mean? So. Andre was a big dude, but like Yoko kind of had that like big man aura about him. And I always felt like this was this was this era's Andre. I mean, and look, he came in right off the gate, won the belt pretty quickly, worked with all the top guys, Hogan, Brett, yeah. Luger, Undertaker, you know? It wasn't like he it wasn't like he was jobbing, like you know what I mean. Yokozuna in the in the in the the three plus years he was with WWF really had a pretty substantial run. If that ain't just three years, is it? Huh? Yeah, about three or so. It was late ninety two, so I think he got to, so yeah, about three and a half years. Makes yeah. sense. My favorite rivalry with him, believe it or not, was Earthquake. I thought that was amazing. Really? Yeah. The really, sumo stuff. Yeah, I liked it. That wasn't bad. Ooh. Hey, now. Actually, it felt intense. That's, that's what I'm like, like, the most intense rivalries were Undertaker and Earthquake, if you ask me. It For felt Yokozuna? Like, it felt like there was pure hate. Like, him and Undertaker and Earthquake. Yeah, the stuff that Yoko did with Undertaker was pretty good. Like, the Hogan stuff, that was just shit. Right. Hogan was on his way out, too, so... Like Bret Hart, that was just I don't know. That just felt, it felt like competition more than like a rivalry, you know. Yeah. Boom! Yeah, super kick. Go. I always love that bump Yoko took through the second yeah, row. Oh, this is where Owen comes, right? I think this is right around the time where Owen's going to make his way into the match. Davy Boy can hardly pick him up. Oh, uh, nice elbow drop by Shawn Michaels here. One, yep, two, yep. coming down the aisle, and this is like the the dusty finish, sort of, because Owen was originally scheduled for this match. So here's my problem with this match, right? Is that that I love the Owen oh. interference, but I think they booked it wrong. I think it would have been more amazing if, if Owen would have pinned one of them. But and, it. But here's the thing, like. <laughs> This is where it's like one of the like I said it's like a dusty finish like it's 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 obviously designed to help protect all the guys involved without yeah. having to really give you a clear cut winner but if you think about it like 
the referee knew ahead of time that Owen was not going to be a part of the match. Bulldog was the sanctioned partner for Yokozuna. Win or, win or lose, Bulldog was responsible, you know, being held accountable. Um, so what do you he think won or lost. Been... So why did the referee make the count there? So you think it should have been a DQ or just yeah. let the boys... Uh... Absolutely. I mean, I think they wanted to do like a quick little like, you know... This, obviously, here, with them holding the belts up, they wanted to kind of have that visual there, leave the, you know, send the fans home happy. The next night, I know that, like, they would, like, Monsoon would, like, reverse the decision. Yeah. I love that promo that uh, Jerry Lauer did before, <clears throat> uh, the the uh, did the monologue for, for, uh, um, for, for Raw, where he goes, the titles have been, uh, 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 have been decided, uh, uh, t- twice in the last twenty-four hour, one in the ring and one in in the uh, in, in that courtroom, but uh, in the boardroom. In the boardroom, yeah. yeah I thought I it was such that. a great promo. I remember that. Yeah, I do remember that. That's gonna be a record, though. The titles, uh, tag titles, changed three times in, in twenty-four hours. It's got to be some kind of record, don't you think? I would think so. Yeah, I, I would. I would think that it's 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 up there because because the next night. Here's the here's the messed up part. So like, this guns, is where right? like the this is where like the booking for me just kind of like you know went off the rails. Like I said, Owen's not sanctioned in the match. No. Okay. He gets pinned. Yeah. And the referee counts him out and then hands the belts over to Sean and Diesel. Yeah. The next night, Gorilla Monsoon recognizes the referee's error and reverses the titles back onto Yoko and and. Uh, um, and Owen, okay, but then schedules a match with them against the Smoking Guns. Why didn't Razor? Why didn't Sean and Diesel get a rematch? Maybe. Why wouldn't you just do a rematch with the two with the two teams? Quite frankly, maybe they didn't want it. Probably. <laughs> I mean, maybe yeah. You, you might have just answered my question there. As we see the the highlight package here of uh, what's transpired at this in your house event as we're getting ready to wrap things up here That's this week. One. I like I, I, I'm kicking out at two. It's a one of my favorite in your houses for sure. This was a pretty solid show. Yeah. I had fun watching this. I had a lot of fun. I forget how this. good but tell you the truth, I forgot how good Bret Hart versus Pierre was. Same with me. That was my that was my match that was my favorite match of the card. It was probably the match of the night. Yeah. I would I would I'd venture to guess so. I thought this was a pretty damn good show. For 1995? Yeah. Hell yeah. See, there we go. Right there. Dusty finish. Owen's not legally in the match. Referee's still going to make the count. One, two, three. Still think it would have been more interesting if Owen would have pinned one of the other guys. So if, like, Owen pinned Sean? Yeah, start a tournament. Be like, be like, be like, that's that uh, Gorilla had. Gorilla was like, you're not part of the match. We're going to start a tournament. But why wouldn't you give the bell back to Sean then? I'm just saying. Yeah, no, I, I know. I hear you. I'm just, I'm just fucking with you. But anyhow, this is a lot of fun, man. I had a great time watching this with you. Um, I'm glad you picked it. And yeah. uh, you know, the last couple of weeks have been a lot of fun, and uh, we'll, we'll continue that fun. Um, but I think it's about that time that we officially put this show down for the three count. We'll see you all next week. <laughs>